On this episode, I interviewed Don Singe, who is the head of performance with the Manly Seagulls. The main topic of this podcast was the importance of training, monitoring, and recovery in order to consistently push your athletes, but not overdo it. We first started talking about how Don kind of came up with this idea of maximizing his recovery in order to continually challenge his athletes. Moved on over the evolution of it throughout the years, and then we talked about two different sides of it, the physical and the mental side. So we expanded upon both of these and then kind of brought them back together in the end. And this is, a, I think, a really good episode that, again, not only talks about that physical side of things, but also expands on the mental side of, of Don's experiences. So great episode. Here it is. Welcome to No Week Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date, evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Noic Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Don Singe, who is the head of performance with the Manly Seagulls. So appreciate you taking the time to be on, Don. If you just first want to give a little overview, background of, of yourself, and then we can kind of get into it. Yeah. Hi, hi Patrick. Um, I've been here with the, uh, with the Manly Seagulls uh, for the last um, three years this time around, and before that I was here for 13 seasons. So I spent the best part of the last 20 years uh, in the NRL. Um, Running and running and directing uh, performance units. Um, started out as the head of strength and conditioning, and then obviously as as uh, as the the game and the and the training uh, modalities uh, um, evolved, so did I. And uh, and training units got got bigger, and uh, teams and athletes uh, got faster, and everything had to had to pick up a pace. And so they, it sort of created a space for for what you see now as as performance coaches who. Um, who head up now whole um, whole coaching crews of specialists in in athletic fields and sports sciences and and medical fields to um you know to 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 produce and, and provide every uh, opportunity for athletes to be at be at their best to compete. So um, so that's that's where I am today. And, and previous to that, um, yeah, I came out of school and went straight into the military, and then in my later years went to university and and as late as uh, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I, I completed a, a master's in um, in uh, sports coaching and education. So, um, yeah, always going. I've got two two young uh, teenage sons, and a lovely wife, and a and a, and a hectic dog. You know, I, I, I come from, from the wonderful northern beaches of uh, of Sydney. So, uh, so I might I might look 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 a little harder on the on the exterior, but obviously because I'm a northern beaches boy, I'm very soft on the inside. <laughs> Perfect. Um, if you just want to maybe expand a little bit too on, uh, I guess, you just the general role you play with the Seagulls now, and then uh, we'll kind of get into our main topic. So at the moment, I have a, um, I'm really uh, very fortunate, privileged to to work with some um, outstanding professionals. I have, uh, I have a sports scientist, Mark Booth. I have a speed specialist, Ruben Rosetsky. I have, um, you know, guys who work around me in, in the specialist fields of um strength and also conditioning um connor and um i've also got uh, um uh, access to um consultants it sounds like a very very big crew a very um um very big community of, of specialists and, and indeed it is um uh, cameron ferguson who runs my uh, my conditioning the funny thing is is that pretty much every every title i just gave you um in the early uh, early two thousands and the late nineties, um, that was that, that, you know, I had to go and do all those things, <laughs> and um, you know, and that's and that's uh, it goes back to my comment about the evolution of the game and that. But at the moment, I'm I'm really fortunate that I have um, those people working um, with me to prepare my athletes uh, in their specialist fields, and my job is to literally um, is to well, not so much oversee, but to enable enable those uh, those coaches to to be able to bring their best, um, which they do um, to work every day and to and to take those qualities from them, and then uh, bring that in, into the athlete. Um, I'm also the uh, as a head of performance. I'm also the conduit between the medical, which is a doctor and a physio um, or physio unit, and a conduit between the tactical coaching staff, the head coaches, and um, 
and all the um, the assistant coaches around them. And that's obviously um, crucial to um, staying on point with uh, what we're training for, why why we're training the athlete, and and the needs of that athlete um, when they actually go out onto the field um, uh, to play the game. And then the, uh, the probably the final part is I'm also the major conduit between the players and all those units, um, and that's uh, that's both good and bad because I'm the guy who listens, but I'm also the the main disciplinarian. So um, I give the good news and I give the bad news um, <laughs> to the players. So so I am. Uh, it is very much a love hate relationship between us. But um, but uh, as part of our culture here, um, we're very big on that uh, on that connection. And uh, so, so I, um, I probably, I make it sound like a bit of a dream job, and 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 for me personally, it certainly is. So, um, but that is my main job is to is is to uh, um, work those units um, once again for the athletes to, to be at their best. Yeah, no, it sounds like a, a great staff and, and role you have at with with the Seagulls. So, getting into our topic, I guess when I messaged you, you know, kind of gen- talking about your strengths and so on, uh, the the. I guess your main topic or strength you messaged back was the importance of training, monitoring, and recovery for the sole purpose of being able to beat the shit out of athletes consistently. So <laughs> I love that title. Um, so I guess first off, well, I just want to dive into when you first kind of started looking at how you're able to, you know, because obviously you want to be able to consistently beat the shit out of them, but how you first started looking at the point of maximizing the recovery uh, and how how that kind of came about? Yeah, look, um, it was exactly that. I mean, in sport, um, even now, it doesn't matter what level level you're at. You're all, you're always looking for more. You're always looking for what we'd call yeah, they call it the edge, the advantage, um, that 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 one percenter. That's something that can um, put you in front of your opposition. And when it comes to internalizing uh, training regimes and training units. Um, all of those same um, metrics uh, you need for training. So we're, we're always trying to just get more out of our out of our athlete, um, give that athlete longevity, but at the same time ensure that that athlete um, can perform at optimal capacity. Now the reality is, is the human beings. So, so um, in the early days, um, and it sounded a bit, bit barbaric, but. In the early days, you know, we used to just we used to just hit every single energy system and every muscle group because we knew that if we get them all, some are going to adapt and grow, and some are just going to have you know, we'll get on another day. And and um, in actual fact, uh, uh, the periodization of weight training and um, and athletics was a was a was a major um, area of investigation for us as we got more into the game because. You always do it with weight training. You know you're not going to go and do the same body part every day. So we here in the in the rugby league, rugby union, um, ice hockey, whichever sport that I was in, that predominantly, with the exception of tennis, being very much contact sports. So you have to be even more particular about the energy system and and the strength and power and the endurance work that you're doing because that type of athlete has to be very robust and the game itself 80 minutes or or whatever you're playing there's a tremendous amount of um of mechanical and physiological work involved so training always had to be at a high level you know do less get less do more with quality you're going to get more so the quality was missing so here we were pushing and pushing athletes um taking them to these dark places uh, completely depleting them, um, sending them off home, um, you know, letting them recharge, getting them back, and then bang, we were going again. And then we'd ease off towards the back of the week because it was the right thing to do. And then we would um, hammer them on the field. Now, um, we had to do that better. We had to do that much better. And the coaches that I worked with, you know, and I, we were very selfish about that, and we actually did come up with that. You know, how, how how can we how can we get these people back and beat the shit out of them again tomorrow without without breaking them? Because you can't break them, you know. And hence, we started investigating and being a lot um, a lot more vigilant with that process. Now, that wasn't just us. Back in the back in the late nineties and um, early two thousands, 
We were all doing it. That's how we got away with it. The other teams were doing it. Um, we all know. We all, we all studied Bobber. We all knew what periodization was. We all knew what recovery was. But the reality and the logistics of putting those into your program um, with your skills program and your and your uh, physical performance program, um, that was a, that was a whole different story. You know, getting there's only so many hours in the day. So some 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 people were really good at it, and some people weren't so good at it. And we made a made a decision that we were going going to be good at it, and we and we based it around um, being able to hit optimal performance um, at training every day. So we re, we rethought our philosophy, and uh, in my in my case, for me personally, with my staff, I changed my philosophy from from winning games to winning training sessions. So I suddenly had my people come in, and I'd say to them. My, my biggest target, the main thing that I want to do is have my athletes in, exposed to every training modality that we have in the day. That's my target. I'm not interested in what happens, you know, at the match. We have a, we have a structure, we have a process, we have um, a strategic plan, and we have a periodized um, week, months, and, and – um, and competitive season. I want these players making it to every training session because then I know that they're ready for the game. Yeah, no, like that. The evolution of that, I guess, and 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 going through that is is kind of is is cool to hear. But even even today, you, I think you'll have coaches and even players that still have that mentality of, you know, I need to go in there and beat myself up every single day and come back barely walking. So I guess one was it hard changing and convincing coaches and players that it, like you needed to change and this is the way we should go. And two, how did you do that? Because I'm sure again, it's not just back then it's happening. It's probably still happening at lower levels and so on. Yeah, you know, it was more more, more convincing ourselves and the coaches, um, players. If you can give them a bit of a bit of time out, they're going to enjoy that. They're not going to argue with you, you know. Um, plus, you know, like I said, we're always punching punching into them, you know, work, work, work. So, so we knew that that um, that they were there was an adaptation adaptation phase of something occurring in their body, you know, um, whether it be in the weights room, in the endurance, or in the uh, or in the cardio, or in the um, uh, the lactic or the anaerobic or whichever whichever um, energy system we were we were hitting. Um, we were smart enough to split the energy systems into different times because we knew that they had a life of regeneration or rejuvenation. So we would still work within those laws. Um, then the main thing is, you know, we realised that it's not an infinite source of, of physical and mental in- energy. It's not infinite. You know, we, we can deplete, and if we don't refuel it, um, rejuvenate it, then, then that's going to cost us longer. So with that in mind, the biggest, uh, easiest way to get across to athletes that more or more detailed, more vigilant recovery was going to be better for them um, was education. And education to coaches, but also as we coach them through these, um, these recovery sessions, um, what was occurring and why. You know, the biggest problem with recovery is that, is that athletes – um, especially team athletes, they work so hard and they are exhausted when they finish, you know, and even if we're using supplementation, um, stopping for, for food breaks, yeah, ensuring that they're, um, that nutritionally and their diet, uh, um, you know, their, their diets looked after during the day so that they have the appropriate energy um, to work. At the end of the day, they just want to get out of it. Every single club, every single player, you know, with maybe the exception of your, your Matty Ballins from my time and your, and your Cooper Cronks and your, and your Chris, you know, these guys, they, um, they're always really, really mindful of what they're doing and they're working hard with that. Um, but you have to educate all of them because they just want to get out of there. So, so for example, you might have, um, you might have, you know, say three modalities set up. You'll have, you'll have a, um, um, you, you might have a hydrotherapy, you'll have a swimming pool, you'll have your ice bath or hot and cold contrast, um, you might use uh, Normatex or some form of flushing system for the legs and, and you know, to, to, to rush um, to uh, keep, the, keep your um, circulation going and flush out your waste products. And 
what you need to do is is what we found was allowing the men to know, uh, uh, sometimes choose the modality they want and then educating them on what that modality was doing and then introducing the further modalities. We found that really, really helpful. It, we still today, um, you know, when you go to do a recovery session, I find that's the, that's, that's the session that I have to be the most vigilant at. Who's where? What are they doing? Are they getting it done? Um, it's not that they're lazy. It's just that that's, the, that's when they're truly at their, at their most um, uh, vulnerable or tired, you know, uh, because they think the day's ended. So, so coaching, teaching, educating um, the men as to why that recovery process is occurring, what that particular modality is doing, the, the, these are the things that we have to, you know, that we have to ensure sure we get across to them. And then you get buy-in. Um, consistency. Has, you have to have consistency. Win, lose, draw. You know, always following your recovery process. Training, hard day, light day, always following that process. Yeah, it's, it's imperative. Yeah, so so education obviously on both aspects with coaches and players, and and then while allowing a little bit of choice for the players as well to get that buy-in is something you found to have have help with that. Uh, yeah, and they, and they have to be relevant. They have to be relevant um, recovery um, modalities. If they if they're irrelevant ones or they're something that's too technical and no one understands it or they're yeah even even uh, heart rate variability. If you don't explain to them why, you know, you've asked them to charge around like madmen and, and 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 hit and whack and be aggressive and be robust and then suddenly you're asking them yeah we, we, we want to see how low your heart rate can get we want you to relax we want you to yeah and then trying to work with that you have to be really mindful of that um and educate them because that's a big shift but the importance of heart rate variability and the measurement we get from it um with regard to stress and sleep and 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 where we can um, have a baseline and where we can go back to um, is is just as important as getting a VO2 max and looking at the thresholds and how high we can take them, how long they can stay there, um, you know, and, and how quickly they can get to that uh, to those um, heart rate bands. So, so it's um, it, it's really important to be um, to, to when you put a process in place to have a nice uh, structured explanation process and then stay committed and and stay um, you know with that cycle occurring um, so the men can 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 get used to it yeah yeah that makes sense so one thing that we or that you mentioned that's not always talked about is the physical side's always talked about you know of how we need to recover and so on but uh, i think i want to dive into a little bit more on the mental side that, that you mentioned is something that you think is key as well and talk about how how maybe you implement that for a while and then we can jump back depending on time on more of the physical side but yeah maybe just expand a little bit in general uh how you got involved in, in the more the mental side of things and some things you look at and things you change and things you challenge to make sure the players are in, in the best shape and ready to go yeah, look, I think one of the the, the biggest learning learning um, curve or journey that I've been on in all my coaching, and I've been I've been coaching um, amateurs and professional athletes um, all over the world now for, uh, since 1992. And the one thing that I can find, I, I, I won't, I, you get the odd physical freak as such, but the biggest variant variant that I find amongst the athletes that I've worked with and coaches. Um, is the mental space? Is there either ability to um, deal with things, or how they look at things, or um, you know, or how things affect them? And using that, you know, has is, is taught me a lot about, um, you know, the, the of the twenty four hours. It tells me a lot about the um, the other the other sixteen or nineteen hours where I don't see that person. What's happening there? More importantly for me, what how have I contributed to those other 16 hours? What have I done with their time with me that will either make those other hours good rejuvenating hours or stressful hours or comfortable? You know, and, and, that, and, that's been, and that's been really, really important to me. So what, what, I'm, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm literally um, working in that space with coaches and athletes and especially around the areas of the importance of of um, education, the importance of recovery process and the importance of um, listening to the athlete um, every day, even when we do markers 
and wellness, and like I said, the heart rate uh, variability measures, um, giving them feedback, but listening to who they are on that day and working with that athlete or coach. Because where they go to from there um, is going to make a very, very big difference to where I am with them in their in their um, biological and physiological state and, and, and what they can bring to, um, you know, to the training day. Yeah, yeah. So, so making sure to just constantly check up on them uh, mentally because that's a big aspect of, uh, of training as well. The physical side isn't always talked about. I guess with the experience you've had in, in the past on all of that, is there any specific things you do to help them, I guess, training-wise uh, in the mental space, whether that be pushing them physically or, or having certain chats to them or doing different challenges mentally i guess yeah look absolutely but look I, I you know i know i've said it a few times i don't want to go over and over it but this this word education and connection um education is such a powerful um powerful tool in encouraging and influencing and compelling people um to join you or to um look deeper into what they're doing so an example of that is, um, you know, when we're actually out there on the field, uh, every, everything that we do is measured. So we use the GPS or we use Polars, we use um, Suntos. So we're always knowing where that individual is. Then everything is uh, built into stats. So we know um, how many balls they're taking, what the angles, uh, whether they're doing well. And, and, and the most important thing is for their mental state is they love to know where they are. Now, now, you've got to be mindful because I'm not saying bombard them with information. As you know your athlete, you, you, you start to learn what their, what their capacity um, for particular um, um, opportunities to put intellect or conversation. You, you learn that about people. It's like anybody. And what happens is as you work with the athlete more, you start to see them, um, how, they, how they accept um, information, how they like to learn how they respond, and that's the, the beauty of the coaching, and that's where conversations on a daily pro, uh, on a daily. So here, here at the Eagles, we break our players into groups. We have we might have uh, say forty players on any one day. Um, so amongst the staff and amongst my staff, we have groups of those players. Which me, oh, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'll get to check in on pretty much every single one of them. However of the five coaches working in my units, you know, they all have individuals that they connect with really well. And so they will ensure that they're connecting with those, with those players. Now, the advantage you get from that is, um, like I said before, you know, you have your markers, you need walls and, and all your physical markers that you use before big training day so that you can see where the athlete is physically. You have your wellness so that you can delve into their, to their actual health, how much sleep they've had, um, their stress, you know, and they can bring comments on that and, and we can delve into that and look. But even with those type, all that information from those those two different modalities, we then have, you know, the most important one, which is the feel, touch and, and see. And we practice that type of coaching um, every day. So information is too flowing. We one of the one of the most important things with um, ensuring, I believe, ensuring um, good good mental health is creating an environment where the athlete feels secure and feels confident and feels um, safe that they can engage you. And the only way you're ever going to get that is by demonstrating that to them, demonstrating through your conversation, through the way you interact with them, that it's going to be reciprocal. Yeah, and there's yeah. a tremendous trust comes out of that. Now that that's your number one safeguard to well-being, and then you use that to your advantage in terms of knowing what um, what cues, what triggers, um, what gets a response, because you're going to carry that into the competition, and then when they're when they're in the thick of that battle you will have a, a good array of tools about that person where you can use the correct cues to encourage them and get more out of them. And at the same time, because you have a strong relationship, you, you will know when the threshold is met. And so you will also be the safeguard and you will say, you know, you, you will say you've got more or you will say, no, 
that's great. That's enough. And, mm-hmm. and that's the most important thing about having a good, solid um, understanding about mental um, mental health and, and mental interaction with athletes. Would you say when, when talking to these athletes that it, some, some of them have a learning curve initially when trying to understand kind of where they're at of, you know, how broken down they really are when they do need rest and, and all that and, and how maybe you go about educating that. And then also on top of that, is there any, I guess, with different athletes, different approaches, obviously you'll have to take and whereas, you know, one might be, as you mentioned, more, you know, the quieter one and one's pretty upbeat and wanting to go all the time. Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, one of the, the whole thing about athleticism to me is capacity. What is your physical capacity? What is your mental capacity? Um, we all have a reserve. You know, what is that reserve and where is it? I know your threshold because I can see a number, but what's the reserve? How much space do I have to move, um, to move around with that, with that threshold? And that capacity, um, I believe, is increased by, by the feedback loops. And the feedback loops are, are instant. So all our, all our training is, is live, live stream, live data. Um, and, and if you're an amateur, that's the case of perhaps wearing um, your, your polar, your, your watch, or having your, um, you know, um, there's so many different um, products out there now where you can, you can actually um, monitor your own training. And those monitoring devices, they're fantastic because they really, they, they, they give you a nice, accurate um, answer to the question, what did I do today? How long did I do it for? Did I do it well? And those are those are great ways for you to uh, position yourself for the rest of the day. And they also give you um, a direction on how much you should drink and eat. So you're sort of you're already finding a method where you can be at your best away from training and, 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 in, and in those um, and in those good zones for um, for rejuvenating yourself. And, one 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 of the big things that that we were really looking at was how do we send our athletes home? What sort of mental state are they in when they get home? Because some of these men have families, um, you know, partners. Um, they've got uh, some of some of them even have jobs, you know, other jobs. They have interests. They have education. So, so we really we really work hard on saying instead of just letting them go, we've got what we want. Let's let them go and, and get them up to a to a, a a physiological and mental state where they can contribute to the rest of their life, to to the things that matter, to their families, to to themselves, and they can you know. Whereas um you know we we we, we wanted to avoid um, just depleting them and sending zombies home who just sit on the sofa and couldn't do anything, and that and that creates a different kind of stress that. Any of us who are married or have partners knows about, you know, um, yeah, it's uh, um, giving their best to us and taking the dregs home. That that will last for a while when everyone's excited about the prospect of career, but then as that gets, um, as that starts to prolong that process, that doesn't cut it anymore. And people want lives, yeah, and so does the athlete. Um, and we know that if we can allow or encourage our programs to allow for that then we're going to get longevity, we're going to get growth, we're going to get development, and, and we're going to get assistance. We're going to have athletes who really join the program and help other athletes, and we're going to have great examples, good demonstration. Um, whispering to a player, you know who they are. You can whisper to a player and get a great result. Yell at a player, we know who they are, and they, some of them respond really well to that. And then talking to a player, and you, you know you can get um, a good response uh, by the way you talk to somebody. And then there's the best one that I like like to use, just looking at a player. And then they can read a lot from how you're looking at them. Now, how does that work? I'll tell you how it works. Don't wait for the moment you think you need it to do it. If you're a coach, if you're a practitioner, if you're um, um, you know, a, uh, in the performance area, practice talking, practice whispering, practice yelling, and practice staring in every single session. Because what will happen is you'll develop that connection and the one that fits, you know, if you're training your athlete, um, you know, if you're with them for six hours a day, in the preseason, six days a week, and in the season, a minimum five days a week, yeah, then you're really going to quickly learn what works and what doesn't. But you've got to practice it. And a lot of people 
they think they can pick up a book, you know, and read about ways of communicating. The only way you make, you're going to learn to communicate is by doing it. And the reason for that is because it's you. It's how you communicate that matters. Yeah, read anything you want, mate. <laughs> but uh, it's not going to change how you communicate because yours is innate. You, you can't change that. What you want to do is start recognizing responses to your method of communication because one of the things we we mentioned at the very start of this is consistency and consistency of personality is your greatest asset in winning trust if you are an inconsistent person with a mercurial temper or a change in temperament which is either extreme or even subtle but is noticed it's very difficult for other people to align themselves with you because they're not quite sure who they're going to get on the day so instead of sort of moving around and, and trying too much to readjust and, and adapt your style to every individual, what you need to do is, is look at the levels of response you get to yourself and temper them. You temper the way you go at people because when the shit hits the fan, you'll revert to who you are. And, and if they're not prepared for that, you will become absolutely, totally ineffective in that moment. But if you've been working with that athlete every day for years or even even weeks, and they know, uh, I know, I know this guy, but you, you also, you have learned how far to go and what modality to use with that athlete. Hmm. So then, as you said, initially, you want to make sure you're sending athletes home instead of broken down and, and mentally and physically trying to pick them back up at the end and send them home so they can have happy lives outside of it and then building on that trying to practice your staring your whispering your talking and your yelling when when needing to and and then from there being consistent with it so that they know where you're at and then you do all the adjustments a 100 percent. you it's a volume but yeah mm-hmm. you know i like to, when, I, when i think about how i affect affect people and affect rooms you know all right you can call it ego or whatever you like but you know I, I like to think of myself as more as a thermostat you know i'm not the thermometer mate i set i set it i don't i don't i don't i don't fucking measure it mate i am the heat you know and i'll tell you how cool it's going to be or how fucking hot it's going to be so i'm the thermostat you can be the thermometer you can measure me but what happens is i i'm i'm familiar with that room and i and you know a, a, a good way is that if you have a big uh, an indoor, say, cardio session, and you might be doing, um, you might be doing uh, effort on efforts, um, you know, or you might be chasing calories, or you might be chasing heart rate threshold. And you stand behind them, and you yell, and you can see, you can see who 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 picks up on that, because you've got all the heart rates up on the wall. You're watching them, man. Right? You stand to the side, and you talk, and you can see. You go to the front, you don't say anything, just standing there looking at people, and you can see if there's changes. Because you got the heart rates all up behind you on a big screen, so so there's there's so many little ways that you can learn about the nuances and the and the um and and, and the ways of other human beings. You know, uh, the best the best thing is 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 to learn how that person responds. That's probably the best best. Um, yeah, everybody knows how I respond. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, that was that, that was a great summary on the I guess the mental side. So I think I want to go touch briefly again on physical, and then want to combine them in the end there and get your opinion on both of them. So I guess just going back to the physical side of things, when programming, do you have any general tips? Whether that be you know your your energy system development or your resistance training, how is there anything you look at or consider main principles on that when when programming to make sure you can push them, but make sure that you don't push them too much that makes sense yeah look we can we can talk we um yeah yeah you're absolutely right we can talk all day about mechanics and, and concentrics eccentrics um neurals we can talk about alignments for me um it's all about um because because i work in a a very compromised um sporting environment where where we have um wrestling collisions running sprinting lifting um, and then off-leg um, capacity training, um, and then we might get a swimming pool. So on any day, you know, it is necessary for us to have a tremendous amount of internal um, force application. Um, 
because you're, you're never going to get through a week without running or sprinting or colliding. So when it comes to moving into the other areas of training, such as the weight training, um, you know, we, we go through all our standard principles of um, um, and, and energy systems and the, and the way that we're, we're going to lift, whether it be um, absolutes or relatives, um, our power movements, uh, our chains, um, you know, our complex um, movements. The thing is, the excitability, the cellular excitability of the athlete, we don't only look for that on the field before they run and move. We also look for that in the gym. So the, one of the biggest parts of our, of our strength program is that first um, 10 to 15 minutes of not so much prehab or, um, or alignment drilling so that we're getting ready for, for the exercise or the major exercise we're going to do. But we work um, quite quite carefully with cellular excitability. So we we want them ready to go. We want them. We want elasticity. We want spark. So we pick small drills which bring this out. We we pick small movements where um, individuals and and they can be tailor made for each individual where they have a, a six minute, eight minute, um, or a ten minute segment where they where they're doing these these different excitability um, movements and exercises. And then we move into our, into our major and primary lifts. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very basic um, sort of human being when it comes to lifting things. You're either ready to lift or not. Um, you have to have a range of movement when you lift. And those that can, um, you know, drop their butt to the ground when they squat do, and those that can't, can't. Um, the younger you are, the younger your athlete is, the more pliable they are, uh, the more exposure you have to them. So you can take them through those different ranges. Um, the older the athlete uh, with a history of um, competition, then you're definitely going to come up against um, small anatomical um, uh, problems that, which they might have where they can't um, complete standard exercises and, and you'll make adjustment as such. However, when they come into that lifting room, um, if we're lifting heavy, then we lift heavy. Um, if we're lifting for neural, then we lift with velocity and speed. Um, if we're lifting for power, then we have the weight and we're chasing our velocity. Um, I, think, I think those principles are the, are the main principles um, that we follow. We don't do any uh, exciting or um, um, lifts that you know, nobody's ever heard of. We might have the odd machine. Um, which does a particular thing, i.e. a dominator, which is specifically built for, for tackling. Um, we, might, we might throw things a bit more for that plyometric effect. Um, uh, other than that, um, we're the same as every other gym. We use bands, we use chains, um, we use boxes, and, um, and we do all, all, all your big lifts, your, your power cleans, um, your snatches, your, your um, deadlifts, your squats, your bench press. Um, so... Um, yeah, when you're looking for small supplementary exercises, we have plenty of those. Uh, rehab is completely different again um, in terms of um, how you strengthen. However, rehab can be most most probably is, is a lot more uh, brutal than um, than normal training because you're isolating um, limbs or muscles or or you know, areas, and you and you're really putting some tension and and um, applying force through there um, in order to make it stronger. So. Um, I don't know if that answers your question or not about the weightlifting, but um, um, yeah, like, like like I say, this if you walk into any team um, environment when they're lifting, I I, I don't think you're going to see something that you that you wouldn't see you know, anywhere else. However, the intensity and perhaps the um, the coaching, the individual coaching of that movement, we we coach every weight session as if it's the athlete's first. So, um, you know, I'm very big on eyes on interacting. Um, I'm, I'm more on correcting than teaching. Um, I think by the time they get to us, it's, it's easier to correct and fine tune a lift um, than it is to teach it completely from scratch. Um, if they're at my level and they're learning it completely from scratch, then I have to sort of go back and find out why. And uh, usually you'll find that there's a, uh, an anatomical reason why they haven't been able to do a, a particular lift, you know. Um, but yeah, that's the that's pretty much the weight move. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense of of again kind of how you how you monitor and then the intensities and different focuses you have. 
So now we kind of covered both aspects. What about, so do you find mental or physical is kind of more important and then is it during different parts of the season or how, or is there certain athletes that you think one matters a little bit more and kind of how do you, you know, identify how much you focus on one or the other with certain athletes, I guess, if, if there's any guidelines you follow in your head. Yeah. Physical in the preseason, which is a good three months, definitely physical. Um, yeah, that's our emphasis. Um, even the athlete knows that if we don't have them, um, physically robust, um, if they don't have the, the fibrous tenacity that's required to um, to get through um, that type of volume, then they know they're going to be underdone for the season. So, so physicality is number one in the preseason. Education is number two. Drilling and drilling and drilling. In the season, when you have a game, when we're when we've come into uh, the competitive season, then it's mental. One hundred percent, it's mental. Now, um, in my experience, and only my experience, only my experience, I don't have literature or anything to, to back me up, just my experience. I find that if I lose somebody uh, in a season um, or if I'm starting to lose someone physically, I can get, I can get that back. I can get that back within um, you know, a standing injury. I can, I, can get, I can make adjustments to somebody's physical capacity, size, lose weight, put weight on, whatever. I can do that in a, in a matter of weeks. If it's mental, that's completely different. If it's if, if if we start if we think that somebody is entering um, an area of of of, of um, mental disruption to to their process or life, that that one that that can end a player's season. Um, if it's not managed, if it's not um, catered for in terms of allowing opportunities for them to. Um, deal with it if we're not helping supporting um you can lose a player and i think if you pick up any newspaper in the last few years you'll see athletes who have missed entire seasons and maybe even walked away from the game and um who were top top tier players on on top money um with top physical performance but um have suffered a um well not suffered sorry experienced um some sort of uh, you know mental mental disturbance in their life and it's been very, very costly. And so we are always through the season very, very wary of um, of where our men are mentally. How, how do we measure that? Well, like you said, this whole conversation has been around um, the recovery, ensuring that we're giving them, um, allowing them to take home the energy and the capacity to deal with the things outside of our environment, which may be... Um, um, you know, their responsibilities at life, things that they should be doing. Um, and one sure way to um, to disrupt that is to completely deplete them of any any um, fuel source at all and then send them home. Because everybody knows when, that's when you're tired, you're sore, and you're cranky, you know, you, you're no good to yourself and you're no good to anyone else and you're certainly not responsive and you're certainly not going to be helpful. And if you are... Um, if we don't, if we don't um, get that right, or if we don't adjust and help, then that accumulated fatigue can become a, a serious issue. Because you know, um, like I said, athletes are human beings. You know, you go away. Next thing you know, you've got guilt about not being able to contribute to home, or or you're not doing the right things, and your and your tolerance is down, and then they, they become behavioural issues. And we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that because when you come to us, you're inside a regimented um, schedule. You're just going boom, 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 boom. Everyone around you is supporting, driving, hammering, bang, 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 bang. Everything's done for you. There's your lunch. Come back here. You know, get under that weight. Push that. Get over there. Have a spew. Come back here. Get on the run. Up the hill. Down the hill. But you're part of something. You're, you're totally immersed in it. And it's been delivered to you. And then at the end of that, bang, now go home and play with your wife and kids. or you know. But you don't have that. Mate. Go home. You're getting behind in your university studies. Well, no wonder, you know, you're getting home, you're depleted. You know? so, so in terms of, um, you know, sorry, it, it just, just to flip back a little bit. So, you know, that's why our dietary needs, you know, we have two dietitians on my staff, and that's essential, you know, to, to, to ensure that they're getting the right nutrition so that they're fueled from the inside at the right times. And then even in the weights gym, you know, we have our, our gym awares and our force plates so that we can, 
um, have a true indication of how much you're bringing into the session or how much you're taking out. So we can get a um, what used to be a, a, an intangible measure. We can, we can start seeing what they are. The intangibles that hide away in your biology, um, you know, they can be the ones that sneak up on you. And um, so we're always looking at, at methods and ways to, to, um, to look out for that, whether it be saliva testing uh, or whether it be um, if we think someone's down, getting them a blood test for their health. Um, but like I say, we pay particular attention to those types of um, uh, athlete-fed information processes. Yeah, I think you brought a really good point up there too of of the mental side can even, you know, we'll, we'll, could delve into the physical side of if they're going home and they're stressed and so on, and then that's going to add up and then that's going to inhibit their performance too. So it's, um, you know, while, while you, their jump mechanics are all, or they can't jump as high or they can't do something and they're not running as fast as they usually are, and most people think, oh, I'll give them a little bit of rest, but if they're not mentally right, that's going to be a whole other aspect. Yeah, and you've got that that question about rest. You know, like um, when we say a down week, we don't we, we only mean volume. We don't down we don't drop intensity. Yeah, yeah. Um, or we change the the particular um, we change the training completely. Take them outdoors or do something. We try and refresh, re-stimulate um, our athlete and our coaches. Um, and that and that uh, you know that, that that brings me to that that really that really important point about. Um, you know, take your best home, you know, you, you, the, the, the best of you for your job is in the game. Um, the, the, the hardest working part of you um, is, with, is with me every day at training and your coaches. Um, but the best of you, the best of you is with the people you love and, and, and the people who, who you're responsible for um, in your life. That's who you get the best of you, not us. I guess one question building off that too, do you find there's any, I guess, more certain traits that players have that will have issues with one more than the other uh, with the mental versus physical at all or any commonalities that you, that you see or is it? Absolutely. Athletic maturity, um, cultural aspects, um, religious aspects, um, family life, um, uh, you know, um, looking at, uh, economics, where they come from, geographical, all or every one of those things um, has to be accounted for when um, programming for your athlete. Um, yeah, a really simple one could be me. I'm, I'm, I'm New Zealand Maori, so I, I have a uh, obviously I have a strong connection to the Polynesians, um, but at the same time, because um, because you know I, I left home young, um, any player um, from any cultural background who's not um, living at home, I, I can understand and feel and empathise, you know, with um, perhaps where, where they are um, um, coming, coming to work every day and, 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 and finding their way into a new, a new um, culture and a new lifestyle. Um, so, so your last comment, that, that is a process that's even taken into account when, um, when the uh, talent scouts go out, when, when the coaches interview, you know, we're very mindful of, you know, um, how are we going to support this player? Um, how are we going to, what does this player, player, if they're young, what is their intellect like? How can we help them? Where do we start and at what level? Um, all of these things, you know, making the whole person, making the whole um, man or woman, whichever athlete we have um, is, is essential. But athletic maturity is the important one when it comes to how we, how far can we push um you know, and, and how much can they take um, with especially internal applied force, yeah, um, and then applied force to the outside of the body. If they're, if they're not um, athletic, athletically mature, um, then you have to be even more mindful of, of how you get that into them. Um, and that's a direct relationship to how will they accumulate fatigue and, 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 and the severity of that. So, um the cultural one, um, you know, if they come from big families and, and financial um, uh, demands upon them, and then um, how do we how do we get a balance between the the urgency and belief for them to provide for the family, but at the same time the understanding that the more they give to us, the more they can give to their family. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. So we've got those those types of things too, which which we do work on. Yeah, and that's all around. Um, once again, educating them on on their contribution on the field, um, how that can be better, um, things that they need to work with, how that's going to help them on the field in the game, um, how you know how, if they apply themselves to training. So you're always having these these conversations, and it predominantly sits with the with the performance coach and how that performance coach um, designates. Um, different staff members to, to, to individuals unless they work within themselves yeah 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 no that that makes sense and i think that was a really great episode of, of seeing something that's again not just always talked about the physical side with numbers and all that but kind of expanding more on uh the, the the mental side of things so really appreciate you taking the time to be on don if you just want to share where i know you share a lot on linkedin uh if there's any other platforms or things where people can follow you or connect with you to follow what you do and what you put out um because i know you do a lot for the industry and then i'll uh, put those in the show notes yeah look the, the main the main one is well college global um yep, yep. com and and if you go in there you can go to um about and i and i'm in there and the reason i say that's the main one is because um not only do i study there but i'm uh, and i work there it, it's a it's a it's a great resource and a great um college for anybody who is looking at um being outside the scope of their of their profession in terms of sport and looking at at real coaching and how to communicate a lot of a lot of the comments and the things that i spoke about here um they'll find ways to to enhance and and um and build on those on those skills um uh to to for themselves you know to put out there and it's uh the all, all the courses are based around you not they're not based around um how you apply something to someone else they're all based around how you apply things to yourself and i think that's a really powerful um powerful coaching tactic and and one that has helped me get to the top of my game and 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 hopefully uh i'll, I'll be able to stay there <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, I'll put those in the show notes. Again, thank you very much for taking the time to be on. Thank you for listening to No Week Links. If you'd enjoy the show and would be able to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated as it would help the show reach more people. I also provide free strength and conditioning content and injury rehabilitation content on Instagram at Coach Patrick Wood, on my website, www.patrick-wood.com. All this information can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening.